2: This is the Cubs Related Podcast presented by CubsInsider.com. My name is Corey. I am joined, as always, by Brendan, and I believe for the first time in the history of this podcast, I am going to start with a disclaimer, and that disclaimer is such, we have teased this, we have told you that it would come at some point when the Cubs were dead and And gone. And with the Brewers locking up the second wildcard spot, the Cubs are dead and gone. So the disclaimer is this. This episode is explicit. There will be an E rating next to it. There should be a little icon in your podcast feed or wherever you're listening to this. And I am also starting with this warning. If you don't want to hear us swear... If you don't want to hear curse words, if you are listening in your office or school or wherever in public, if you have young children whose ears you don't want to hear this vile language that is about to come, then now is the time to... Turn this off. Uh, this is not going to be a regular thing, but we told you. Uh, the goal today is to provide a little catharsis and let it all out. Let our let our feelings just spill into the microphone. So, for the last time, before I I do end up swearing, uh, this episode is explicit. There will be cursing, and you have been warned. I I, th- I think that that was a a good way to start, Brendan. And I'll I'll add this, the goal here is to be cathartic, I I think. And the reason we're doing it today is, again, the Cubs are officially eliminated from the postseason during this series that they are playing in Pittsburgh. The Nationals and the Brewers lock up those two wildcard spots. The Brewers and Cardinals will figure it out this weekend as to who wins the NL Central. So we do have a body to perform the autopsy on, right? But we want to do this now because we heard today from Joe Madden, I believe that he expects to have a decision as re- as it relates to his future probably by Monday when he heads back to Hazleton to get his offseason started. So it feels like the time to really let out your frustrations with the 2019 Cubs because we're really only a few days away from transitioning into the off season, And we'll still talk about the 2019 Cubs and what went wrong and what they need to fix and how they're going to do it. But I, I think we're going to have to do it in the future in a more concise and productive manner but for today while they're in the busy losing to the pirates as we record this again they may never win another game <laughs> of course right? it, it seems totally that's, fu-
0: that's you know that's fine it's with fine me you just make. maximize the pain just, just get those draft picks yeah, just
2: let it burn i mean at this point but Let's let it out. Let's have a little cathartic I'm ready. chat here about the Cubs. I have no idea how this episode is going to go. I have no idea how long this episode is going to go, but a lot of you have wanted us to let it rip. Go explicit. I
0: know how it's going to go, for me at least, Corey. I don't know about you, I, but for I, me, I'm ready for this.
2: I think I, do, I, think I also know, but I'm, I'm teasing a little bit. But uh, I debated a long time what I wanted the first official curse word to be on this podcast. And I had some choices. I, I had a few options, and maybe I can reveal one of those after. But <laughs> I was given the answer today, and I was given the answer by Joe Madden. And I think that it's fitting that his words are the first curse words that are going to go across these airwaves. This is a direct quote. And I read this tweet three times to make sure that I didn't misread it and that it was in fact something that Joe said himself and it was and he he said this in response to uh, the 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 topic of They will not be playing their A lineup, so to speak, whatever that is for the Cubs at this point, and however productive that might even be, Uh, but they will not be playing that lineup this weekend in St. Louis. So obviously, that is going to be much to the chagrin of the Milwaukee Brewers who would like the Cardinals to lose. And on this topic, Joe Madden said this, and I quote, Of course they're going to bitch, and I get it. But quite frankly, there are certain things I really don't give a shit about, and that would be one of them. I think that's a great way to start, Brendan. <laughs> I think that's that's a brilliant way to start because honestly, and I mean this from the depths of my soul, and it's also true about the Cardinals. So it's it, it's not to support the Cardinals in any way, uh, but I I agree with Joe here, and and the sentiment being. Seriously, as as earnestly and I, as I can say something, fuck Craig Council and fuck the Milwaukee Brewers. <laughs> Welcome to the Cubs-related podcast, folks. This is how it's going to go.
0: Oh my God! Yeah, I mean, where to even begin? But think think about this: this this one number quarry is just sticking to my mind. I cannot get it out of my goddamn mind. Ready for this? The Cubs are nineteen and twenty-seven in one-run games. That ranks twenty-six. In the major leagues, Corey, 26. Every other team behind the Cubs have at least 100 losses. Corey, what the hell is that? That makes yeah. no sense to me. So there's so many ways to go about this. We, I have a text file of what is this? 20 different bullet points of what went wrong. Corey, how did we get here? I, I, I cannot believe... I'm questioning the front office, questioning the organization from top to bottom. This makes no sense to me, man.
2: Yeah, so this is obviously the first time uh, since 2015 that the Cubs won't make the playoffs. This is the first time under Joe Maddon the Cubs won't make the playoffs. This is the first time they're not going to win 90 games in this stretch. So a lot went wrong in this season, and I think even during this these last few weeks we were holding out hope because there there is a lot of talent in this group and you just hoped that they could turn it on and sneak in and see what happens. But they have managed to fail at that in, in pretty glorious fashion, getting swept by the Cardinals. And again, they have not won a game since, and they may never again. So they're getting blown all over the ballpark by a Pittsburgh Pirates team that I think lost nine games coming into this series. Whatever. So that's where it's going for the Cubs. But fuck Clint Hurdle, by the way. i got to throw that in there. Fuck Clint Hurdle. Fuck the St. Louis Cardinals. Fuck the Brewers. <laughs> Fuck the Dodgers. I mean, we've never been able to say this, Brendan. So we, we really need I to mean, get this those. Like, things. This is like
0: two years, or yeah. three
2: Years. I want those. I like want that to be very energy. clear on record. Yeah. And I I do believe the the sentiment above all though is fuck the Cardinals. That's yeah. that's the number one. I mean,
0: Clint Hurdle is up there though for me. Yeah, like, the shit true. that he said
2: over the years. I mean, come on. That's top. That's got to be top three of like the biggest fuck yous possible. Yeah. So, but. Brendan, I've said this for for months now. The thing that drives me nuts about this is I think we thought going into the year, I I know in the beginning of the year podcast, we said we were both more concerned about the St. Louis Cardinals than the Brewers. They thought they were a better roster. But for the Cubs to lose this division to these two teams, and not only to lose the division and a playoff spot to these teams, but they did it at your, they got over on you, right? You couldn't beat the Brewers at Miller Park or at Wrigley Field in both of those last couple series that you played against them. You got the shit beat out of you at Wrigley Field by the St. Louis Cardinals in that four-game stretch. They were all one-run losses, but the Cardinals came in, they planted their flag at Wrigley Field, right? I don't think anybody would deny that. So you, what's so frustrating to me is that you let Mike Schlitt, And Craig Council manage these dumpster of teams to your division and your playoff spot. And they beat you to do it. I mean, I'm looking at these standings, Brendan. The Brewers have a a run differential of fucking nine. Nine. It's a a single digit. It was close to zero like a week ago. It was like negative two a week ago. And this is the team that is making the playoffs instead of you. It's disgusting, Brendan, a team that has a rotation with Zach Davies and Chase Anderson and Brent Suter coming out of the bullpen in the swing role. This is the team that is getting over on Theo Epstein's Cubs. This group, no Christian Yelich. Lorenzo Cain has been a shell of himself. This is the group with what a third of the payroll that the Cubs have. Yeah. And they're they won your division last year on your field and they come back and they're celebrating in the playoffs again at your expense. It's it's pathetic, Brendan. And and why we get so upset is that this is an unacceptable outcome for this team. We've talked a million times about how 2018 you won 95 games, the Brewers got hot, shit happens, right? The Cubs have 82 wins right now, folks. 82. That is not acceptable. It's never going to be acceptable. And when they had a chance to make any semblance of a run at the playoffs here, at the end, they totally fell apart. And this is with their highest payroll Corey. Of any time in
0: Theo's tenure as the Cubs president, the highest fucking payroll. They're going over the luxury tax again. What, like this makes this makes no sense to me. And you look at individual performances, right? Like Rizzo, another consistent year. Bryant, playing through a bum knee half the year, put up over 30 home runs. Still was one of the better players in the league. Contreras, one of the best catchers in the league, just because of his offense. And you look around; Schwarber's going to hit 40 home runs. So it's not as if like individual players have been, you know, bad as a whole. It's the fact that you have this huge discrepancy from top to bottom of that roster, right. and the very the very pit of that roster. Okay, those guys have been absolute suck. sucked. They I suck. Mean, they suck. It, I, I I I again. It's not to pin everything on player performance. This is an organizational failure. But when you roster guys like Albert Almora and Ian Happ, you lost .4 war this season just by rostering those two guys. Those two guys, Happ and Almora, were supposed to be the majority of your center field games this year. I know Hayward was slotted in there, but I doubt that Theo thought Hap would take over half the year to come back from AAA. But he sent them down three days before the season started. So you went into this year with those two guys pegged in, and they gave you negative 0.4 war, quarry. negative point four. It's unacceptable. You're wasting years of 26 to 30-year-old guys, their prime years, their, their arbitration years. And this is supposed to be the, the premier time of this entire era, they're supposed to be on par with the Dodgers, on par with the Astros, on par with all these other teams, and they're going the complete opposite direction. We're talking about this team in the tier of the Marlins, right. in the tier of these worst teams, these massive rebuilding teams. That makes no sense, Corey. I mean, you have to ask yourself the question: like, if you if you're if you're Tom Ricketts, right, and you look at the body of work over the last three years. I, I love Theo Epstein, right? But this is a massive failure, and he said so himself even on the score. Sometimes failure makes you dig deeper, get back to work. That's great and everything, but this failure is in millions, hundreds of millions, half a billion dollars of lost value in three years because of this. So yeah, you can pin it on players, but it, at the end of the day, this is such an organizational failure to roster these guys, to expect this, and... I mean, Picota may have been right, dude. Like They're going to win 82 to 83, 84 games, whatever it comes out to be. That's right within their margin. And we laughed at it. We laughed at it up until about a week ago. But there were red flags going into the season. We all knew yeah. it. We all knew it, Corey. And every one of those red flags happened. Not only that, they were amplified.
2: Yeah. I think that that's one of the most frustrating things about this season. And we've talked about this a lot, is that even up until right now, today, like as we play these games, it's so many of those same issues that we were on this podcast talking about in the offseason that you could read about in, in, with the beat writers on Cubs Insider, Bleacher Nation, like all of these places knew the bullpen fucking sucked. But we didn't know it would be this bad, Corey. Sure, but you knew the bullpen was going to suck, and it sucked the minute they stepped on the field. They won on opening day, and every game since then, it has been a constant concern. The Cubs have blown 28 saves in this particular season. 28 saves. They paid for Craig Kimbrell in the middle of the season, and he's been a fucking disaster. A a pitching machine Craig Kimbrell has been for all these hitters, just sitting on his fastball and blasting it out of the park with ease. The the Cardinals looked like they were laughing at each other when they were knocking those fastballs out. I have have a number for you about that bullpen. let's hear it. Okay. In low
0: to mid leverage situations, okay, the Cubs have been one of the better bullpens in the league. So we're talking about fifth inning, sixth inning, seventh inning, or up, you know, two, three, four, five runs, something that gives you comfort. In high leverage situations, talking about ninth inning, one-run games, the Cubs have the sixth worst weighted on base average for, for a bullpen, Corey. Sixth worst. So the overall numbers, they're not bad. They're middle of the pack. In fact, for a lot of the second half, the bullpen was ranked in the top five and we were hearing those cited all the time. But in those leverage, high leverage situations, guess what? Karen serving up fucking bombs right down the middle, right? Two pitches back to back to the Cardinals. And that was a frequency. And why that is, I, I, I honestly don't know. Maybe part of that was Joe's bad decisions, but a lot of this is just like, years and years of built up poor pitching development that's, that's now magnified. You're trying to throw money at the problem and you're attempting and you have good intentions to try to fix this, but it's not working, Corey. No, have... that, that
2: was this was a, 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 this was an organizational thing that manifests. This is years yeah. in the making, watching Craig Kimbrell blow those games against the Cardinals because it's your inability to draft pitching. It's your inability to successfully develop a lot of pitching. And we, that and we agreed you... with that Kimbrell signing, too. It's not like, oh, like, yeah, oh, yeah, you Yeah, know. well, but because they were in that situation, like, right. they're in that, you know, once you're in the situation, you have to do what you can to get out of it. But they're in that situation. Situation because they're awful at drafting and developing pitching. And yeah. I know, you know, this is something that I think we talked about with Brian from Bleacher Nation at Cubs Prospects when we had him on in the middle of the season, and one of the things that we talked about with him, and that that was one of his big points, was the Cubs wait so long to try some of these guys out. They go and Rowan sign— Rowan Wick, for example. Yeah, they go and sign these losers like Brad Brock and Derek Holland and just these clowns that other teams don't want, and they give them innings instead of trying some of these other guys. You look at Rowan Wick, they they did end up getting him up here and getting him— To be part of this fold, but boy, wouldn't you have liked him to be in that bullpen from the beginning of the year or somewhere close to it. He was talking today on Twitter about someone like Dwayne Underwood. Like you've had him as a starter in your system, just messing around, and he's been, you know, at least someone you can look at in a bullpen role this year, but you didn't even try that until August and September. So you it's already too late. You've already blown so many games. We go into this season. We try the Carl Edwards thing again. It's the same thing it always was. And you have to get rid of him. It's just this rotating cast of older, not that useful players. And it all comes back to get you. I, I mean, 28 blown saves, Brendan. I, I mean, you could pick five of those games and the Cubs would be in a different spot right now, we'd be talking about whether they could try to get into the playoffs. And it's certainly not the only problem. But it it kills them. It, it just kills this franchise. And especially when you had a starting rotation that was volatile throughout the year, you have some older guys in there you need a bullpen that can be useful. You look at someone like Tyler Chatwood, right? I saw I saw people talking about this on, on Twitter today. Like Tyler Chatwood is another one where he got into that bullpen and there was a stretch where he wasn't really used f- with any regularity for like weeks at a time. And we've seen he's been pretty good in some of those bullpen roles, but it's just another example of... We're trotting out some of these older, useless guys instead of seeing what other people can do and and trying to solve the problem in what feels like I guess more innovative ways I suppose. Sure. And you, but, pay I mean, the part price of the issue, it.
0: like with Chatwood though, the reason he's in that bullpen quarry is because he was a thirty-eight million dollar right. disaster, and I. When the Cubs signed Chatwood, like I, I loved the signing because he saw all the peripherals, right? A guy he throws in the mid-90s, upper nineties when he's maxing out, has a curveball that's among the best for spin rate. You see the stuff. It's electric, right? And to get him at it at a time when he was twenty-eight years old for a short-term contract made sense. But the problem is, and it's been a problem for three years, is you can get the talent. Hayward had the talent. Chatwood had the talent, right? And you're almost getting a discount because they have not been their best selves with other teams. But the moment they come over to the Cubs, not only do they not improve, but they go the complete opposite direction. So you're attempting to to unearth more potential out of these guys. But these, for Chatwood, a $40 million investment. Hayward $184 $184 million investment, and you're signing these guys because you expect you can bring more out of them. And it's been anything but that. Three coaching staffs in as many years that try to fix some of these underlying issues. And that's a huge problem, Corey. We can talk about Chatwood not getting the opportunities out of the bullpen, but he's in that bullpen because he did not succeed. He was not in a position to succeed, whether that's because he's just not that great and the Cubs misidentified bringing him in or the Cubs screwed him over. We'll never know, right? But that is one of the issues. And because he was not that good, what did the Cubs have to do? Okay, Hamels, here's $20 million. So you put through $20 million to figure out that last rotational spot because your $39 million investment didn't work out. I've been riding a motorcycle for 52 years. I started having back pain
1: that turned into the knee pain. I couldn't even sit on the motorcycle. I was like, oh, man, you I going to have to give up riding bikes. Kaiser Permanente, they decided I needed a hip replacement, so I was going to do it through outpatient surgery. (laughs) Panned out great. Recovered overnight. Was home by 11 o'clock the next morning. I'm glad I made the choice for Kaiser Permanente. I'm enjoying life. Every medical case is unique. Kaiser Foundation Health Plan in the Middle atlantic States, 2101 East Jefferson Street, Rockville, Maryland, 20852. It just doesn't feel like summer without an ice-cold Coca-Cola in your hand. Stop by your local convenience store today and grab a 20-ounce bottle of Coca-Cola or Coca-Cola Zero Sugar. Or pick up even more delicious refreshment with a 20-ounce bottle of Diet Coke, Sprite, or Fanta. So no matter how you soak in that summer sun, at home or on the go, Grab an ice-cold Coca-Cola
0: today and enjoy. So every, All of these snowball yeah. all the time, and you can trickle down even before the chat was signing with some of these other guys as well, right? Like Brandon Morrow, $21 million, pitched, what was it, 30 innings his entire Cubs career, and you knew the injury concerns with him, but at the time, again, most of these issues and these these signings, you and I like at the time, and we see the logic. The problem is, after they get on this team, Corey, after they get on this team, whatever it is, scouting reports against them or the coaches or whatever, they go the opposite direction. And that is one of the more frustrating parts. The signings make sense. It's that when they come over here, they go the other direction for reasons. I have no idea why.
2: Yeah, so... I want to I want to go through this list, and this is a reply to a Jesse Rogers tweet from Brian Baumbach on Twitter, and I wanted to read this because this I think is is really telling of of where the Cubs were and what went wrong, and we can try to figure out why all of this happened. Uh, but it's, again, I keep, we're going to keep using this phrase, it's an unacceptable place for this franchise to be. So bear with me here. It's a lot. There's a lot on this list. Yeah. Errors committed. And and this was from a couple days ago, but it's it's all the same. They're going to be at the bottom of the league and mostly. Spoiler alert. Errors committed. The Cubs are 28th out of 30 in Major League Baseball. Contact rate. The Cubs are 30th out of 30 in Major League Baseball. Swinging strike weight, 28th out of 30 in all of Major League Baseball, 22nd out of 30 in grounding into double plays, 28th out of 30 in successful stolen base percentage. Again, I went through how many saves they've blown. They also lead the majors in outs on the bases. Those are really bad stats. Brendan, and when you're looking at some of those in particular contact rate, outs on the bases, swinging strike rate you're not in the company of the Astros and the Yankees and the Dodgers. You're in the company of the Orioles and the Marlins and the Pirates and these other dumpster franchises in the league. But like, I, I read all those numbers to pose the question, Brendan. Literally, I I mean this like so sincerely, how the fuck did we get to the point where the Cubs are one of the worst base running teams in the league and they are one of the worst (coughs) fielding teams in the league and one of the worst contact teams in the league? Now, granted, this group has not always been a high contact group, but those are massive massive areas to be near the bottom of the league. And even if you could have been probably the middle of the pack in some of those categories, you would have seen a vast difference. But Brendan, number one in outs on the bases, what the fuck is that? And who, is that something that we look at Joe? Is it something that we look at the players? Because that's one of those things that I think people like to direct toward Joe Madden right because he's the manager and there are definitely certain things where it may not be his fault or like direct responsibility but ultimately it's got to fall somewhere right and you're the well, manager the- of the team but but brendan like my thing is and going back to that cardinals series right like does joe madden really need to tell kyle schwarber how to run the fucking bases <laughs> Kyle Schwarber's been in the league for years, guys. Like, he got thrown out on the same play in a two-day span, breaking for home from third base on a bleeder back to the mound. That, Like, I, I have nieces and nephews that I'm sure know not to do that. So I just genuinely don't understand where that comes from and who on earth I should be directing that attention to.
0: And what's most puzzling is they brought in Brian Butterfield at the end of Gary Jones toothpick his tenure, right? Because they brought him in thinking Butterfield is one of the smartest, savviest base coaches out there. One that uses video, tries to optimize situations where you can take that extra base. You can use that aggression, but in a selective, aggressive manner. And that was anything but this year. So it's another one of those instances where the intention is there. And Joe has always said, hey, I don't want to coach the aggressiveness out of any players. That has been to their benefit. We look at Albert Omora in Game 7 of the World Series, by the way, the Cubs won that. But when Chris Bryant hit that almost home run in the 10th inning, Almora was on first base and he tagged up and he ended up scoring the game going ahead run right? So there are instances where the aggression comes into play. And Javi Baez is another example where without having that philosophy, Javi doesn't turn into that magician we all fell in love with. There's good and there's bad. But there are times when promoting that type of philosophy for guys like Anthony Rizzo, love Rizzo. For guys like Schwarber, love Rizzo too. But those are guys who should not be trying to take the extra bag, especially Corey. When you're in the middle of the order when those base runners are prime opportunities to score runs, and you already struggle with opportunity hitting to begin with. And then your dumpster fire of a lineup after the six guys, they're going to be hitting double plays, hitting hitting ground balls, and not even knocking those guys in to begin with. So you need, if you're on base, Corey, if you're the second hitter in this lineup, if you're Castellanos, if you're Schwarber, if you're Rizzo, you have to get your ass on base and stay there. You, there's no time to be making those aggressive aggressive type plays to get the extra back, and it's it's not to critique the philosophy, right? It's the execution of that, and you see Brian Butterfield, his ass is going around third base, right by home, right by home plate, trying to get these guys around. It's just the intentions there, the execution's off, and that's one of the most frustrating things because you turned this 2016 Cubs team from one of the better base running squads out there. One of the best defensive teams in Major League history, according to several metrics. And, and they they, they don't look it. like
2: the same group.
0: That makes no sense to And it is and, a
2: lot of the same group.
0: It is a lot of the same group. What has changed, Corey, in three years from that group? I, I
2: I don't know. Uh, that that's what they need. That's what they need to figure out. A because... lot of that.
0: A lot of that is coaching philosophies, dude. You bring in these extreme, different guys into the system. Jim Hickey was an extremity. Chili Davis was an extremity. And same thing with Brian Butterfield. And you have to wonder, like. Is that the root of these causes? And that, and we we talked about this, and I wrote a post on Cubs Insider about like team chemistry, right? Like it goes beyond just feeling good about one another, having a good time with your teammates. No, it's about everyone teaming up and accomplishing the same task, but more importantly, being on the same page, Corey. And they were not. They have not been for two years. To be one of the worst defensive teams in baseball, to make some of the most outs on the bases, is pathetic, with this athleticism, with this young of a core coming off a World Series championship three years ago, from going from top to bottom with the same personnel, the only reason that's happening has got to be because of the rapid coaching turnover, the rapid desire to change these coaching philosophies. That's got to be the only reason why.
2: Yeah, because I, I think, like, obviously, and just because I called him out specifically, like, I know that. There's no question in my mind that Kyle Schwarber is out there trying to be the best player that he can. This is never an issue of whether these guys are putting in the effort or trying to succeed, but it is just such a a stark change from what this team was built around. This team was built around executing those margins to such a high degree, and they took such an amount of pride in doing it. And even from the jump this year in Texas, they looked like a different team. And the errors never stopped. The missed cutoff men never stopped. The bad base running decisions never stopped. And and I think, like, during those first couple months, we were like, okay, like, maybe they're a little rusty. Like, they'll get it together. They're better than this. And we just kept saying that, and it never happened. And it's It's just something that's hard to really put your finger on why exactly that is because they were so good at it. And, you know, I know you're talking about Butterfield maybe being a, a different shift, but he has a really good reputation in this league. As but we've heard, being, we've heard
0: that though too though like we heard the same reputation about Shilly Davis
2: before the Cubs hired him like at ooh, the end of the like, no I mean kind of I no, mean we he did, had Corey, he had gotten I mean, let go already f- you know from Boston so we knew that there there was potential like let's see what we have here I'm saying Butterfield came in with a, a really good reputation for his mind and what he was going to be able to bring to this team. So, sure, but here's a similarity between Chili Davis and
0: Brian Butterfield is that those reputations were built upon years of baseball in the 2000s, the early 2010s, when the era was much different. Dustin Pedroia was one of uh, Brian Butterfield's most You know, advocate guys. He loved Brian Butterfield. But you know what? Pedroia was a guy in the late 2000s. The game was very different. And that's kind of one of the reasons why I think this coaching staff, they have these extreme philosophies that are built upon eras of baseball that have grown away. I mean, the game is so much different now than it was in 2015 right and so a lot of these coaches their reputations are built on a game that is drastically different and so for Brian Butterfield and Shilly Davis those are the two parallels
2: all right yeah i mean that's fair I, I just think that it's it's sometimes when we hear that these guys should be bringing good things to the table and the results are so different it's it's obviously a, a, a little jarring but i mean when that- do you, when
0: do you when do you hear about coaches coming in
2: that that have bad reputations. Yeah, I guess like, that's true. Every coach comes in, oh, this is this is going to be the next guy. Well, like, when, the Roy- when the up- Royals hire Mike Matheny, there will be some interesting things written about him. But <laughs> uh, other than that, I guess you're right. But that's Fuck what the Mike Cubs Matheny, have to figure out in, in this particular season. But when you look at, you know, you compare something like run differential with a team like the Brewers, those are the areas where you make that up, right? Because we've seen this for the last couple of years that so often the Brewers— they seem to position their defenders better than the cubs they they convert those outs better than the cubs they have josh Hader come into those games and they don't blow as many games they they ha- they win those run run games and those are the areas when you're busy making errors and missing the cutoff men and running into outs that's how you find yourself in a situation where you're competing with a team that on on paper and just like looking at the general results you probably shouldn't be competing with. So that's going to be something that the Cubs are going to have to figure out. It is is what happened to a group that really excelled in certain categories and they were really bad at them like they didn't just regress they regress to near the bottom in some of these categories like uh, especially and and i know that they weren't built for this and, and i i think right now we're kind of still stuck on that list uh from brian bomb it was just about where the cubs rank here Think that'll probably guide us for a minute here. This this podcast is all over the place, but I'm trying I, to give I have you
0: several more points. Like,
2: <laughs> yeah, so I'm just I trying to, get to them. <laughs> I'm just trying to give you some semblance of of where we are here. But yeah, like looking at something like contact rate, Brendan, like that is an absolute killer for this. You know heat. why?
0: You know why that's so bad though, too, Corey? Because like the ball Jordan... is
2: juiced, Brendan.
0: Yeah, like when we had Jordan Bastion on of MLB.com, one of the better beats in for, for all of MLB teams, when he was on earlier in spring training, he was describing to us what Joe Madden was doing. He would stand 30 feet away, we'd have miniature baseballs, and we, he would put them through a pitching machine, and he would call out scenarios. Guy on second base, one out, what do you do? Opposite fuel base hit, right? Like they were trying hard to increase their contact rate, Corey. And again, once again, it went the other direction. They've been trying for years to bring in personnel who excel at contact. That's why they signed Jason Hayworth, That's why they send Ben Zobris. Zoberus, was one of the best signings in Cubs history, but you get the point. They have not been able to turn some of these guys into their cookie cutter mold. And by the way, when you draft guys like Ian Happ and Kyle Schwarber and these guys who have massive power potential, you know what happens? Some of those guys, you got to give a little to get some, right? Like they're going to they're gonna whiff. They're going to whiff. And when you turn some of these guys into players they're not, it's development is stalled. Ian Happ spent half the year in AAA trying to fix the guy. Schwarber has been down to AAA within the last two years to trying to fix himself, right? So it's it's this stalled development that's also an issue, as well. And that, yeah, is reflected by that contact rate not improving, but at the same time, attempting to improve that contact rate because, like, the power wasn't there for a lot of these guys. Okay. And so, if you're going to try to improve the contact rate, you're going to risk some of the power. And if that, Contact doesn't improve, you're limiting extra base hits. You're limiting opportunities to be in scoring position, limiting opportunities to score that guy from first base on an extra base hit. And that's why some of those pressure situations and they could not come through with runners in scoring position because you're trying to make some of these guys into players they're not. And it's failed dramatically. They haven't improved their contact rate, but at the same time, they haven't improved in all facets. And maybe that is because they were trying to improve their contact rate, as evident by the opportunity hitting, by bringing in Shelly Davis to improve your contact rate. That led to more grounders and less opportunities to score runs. It's a mess, Corey. It's an absolute mess how in two years a lot of these guys have gone in the complete opposite direction.
2: Yeah, and I think that that's obviously in stark contrast to what you see from some of these other top teams around the league. And I think that's another area where it's, it's a little concerning because you look across the league and you see some of these other teams, the you know, those same teams obviously are going to keep coming up because they're the best at it, but the Dodgers, the Astros, the Yankees, they dig into their pipeline and they bring up these guys to weather the storm with injuries, to add to the depth that they have, whatever it is, and meanwhile, the Cubs are leading off games with Albert Almora, who's only getting worse by the day. They're trying desperately to figure out what to do with Ian Happ like you know a chicken with their head cut off and they've got this rotating shuttle of relievers that they were lucky to find Kyle Ryan and Rowan Wick out of but for the most part have not been able to develop anything and so that's one thing as we head into this offseason that I think has me and I know a lot of people legitimately worried about the state of this franchise because we have stated many times how much we love Theo Epstein and how his front office has done a lot of very good things, but it is difficult to not deny that they feel behind right now. They feel behind in certain areas and certain things that other teams are doing well. You look at the Dodgers, how many guys over the course of this year have they called up that have hit a home run. They've called it's up so every other many damn rookies month? to play at different positions. They all hit home runs. They've called up numerous guys to put in their bullpen or their rotation that are throwing oh, 98, 99, 100. And the Cubs can't figure out what's going on with some of their first-round picks. It, it It's hard to deny that they feel behind the eight ball in this and and going yeah. back to like that contact rate thing and the juice ball thing, you look at some of these other teams too, and again the dodgers are are probably the best example of this but while the Cubs, again, are, are, are busy trying to figure out how to get their first-round picks to be productive baseball players, the Dodgers are calling guys that are sitting on the couch, digging into their numbers, and figuring out a way to get Max Muncy to hit 40 home runs.
0: I have a number for you that, sure. that backs that up. Okay, Other than Wilson Contreras, who was an international free agent signing out of Venezuela, and David Bodie, who was an 18th-round draft pick a few years ago, No other guy outside of the first round of the draft has been productive. None. Zero. Seven years, Corey. Seven years. And that's that's the issue. Like, you look at this team and you see that strong core, right? Chris Bryant, Kyle Schwarber, Contreras, Rizzo, although he's getting older, and other guys with enormous talent. Outside of those guys, no one else from the second round, from the third round, from the fourth round, no one has been productive. And you ask yourself the question, why was Jason McLeod moved out of his scouting director role? Well, maybe this is probably a good reason, right? Not only have you not developed pitching, but you've wasted those draft picks. A lot of those second, third, fourth, fifth round draft picks for years on end before drafting Brendan Little in the first round were pitchers. They went with college pitchers, heavy, heavy college pitchers who had low ceilings, as they perceived, but low floors. So it was a less risky proposition from their perspective. And you understood that, but you wasted those picks. Driveline, Corey. Driveline headed by Kyle Bodie. Estimated, his team estimated that between 2012 and 2016, right before the Cubs won the World Series, their pitching development was rated as 26 in MLB. 26. In that time span, they estimated that the Cubs lost $126 million in investment out of that compared to other teams. Other teams who are on the top end of that list include the Dodgers, include the Astros, who driveline estimates they've saved $200 million in assets, okay? So what did the Cubs do? You lost $126 million in value. Let's fix this. This is a huge issue. Let's go and spend money on pitching. Over the last three years, they spent over $200 $50 million in total investment for years on Darvish, Chatwood, Dunsine, CJEC, Morrow, on fixing the very issue that's already been a sunk cost, and that is pitching development, Corey. Unfucking acceptable. Do you lose $126 million in not developing pitchers when you already have one of the most lucrative budgets in Major League Baseball? How are you that behind? How are you that behind? behind Corey. That makes zero sense to me as well. It's it's a systematic failure from top to bottom. Not only do you sign these free agents who are expensive, but now when they come over, you can't get them to the next level. It's the same story for their prospects. I don't understand where they went wrong, but to spend over $250 million to fix an issue that's been a net loss of 126 million dollars is unacceptable, and I cannot, for the life of me, defend a front office with those types of numbers. Yeah. I can't, man, and I—that's—that's that's the saddest part about this. Is and we alluded to this on the last podcast, right? There is always a level of certainty with the front office. And I hate to have to rip the front office, but I Nah, I'm we're sit- going to. I'm sitting here and I have no confidence in this, Corey. Yeah. Like, do I am I losing my mind? Do I want No. New Epstein to leave, Corey? Like I I I'm I don't almost know about in a that. I'm not saying that. Like, I'm in a state of denial. I'm not saying that. But these numbers do kind of speak for themselves. Like, how imagine going to a job interview, right? And the owner is flipping through these numbers. It's like, oh, you know, you lost $126 million for not developing pictures. Oh, by the way, your trades, this is, this is another wild number. Are you ready for this? Their net trade asset value is minus $180 million. So not only are you not developing pitchers and losing $125 million in that process, but you're trading away Eloy Jimenez, Dylan Cease, Gleyber Torres, right? trading away uh, Jorge Soler, who led the American League in home runs this year for Wade Davis. All these deals we, we liked. And they to some degree they did pay out, but the actual numbers, the actual dollar values assigned to those deals has been an estimated net loss of a hundred and eighty million dollars. 180 plus 125 plus 250. We're talking about over half a billion dollars in net loss, Corey. How can any front office defend that?
2: Yeah, so this is something that we've said before, but Now that it's official, right? Like, Brendan, I want heads to fucking roll. Yeah. Okay? Because here's what we're not going to do. Well, here's what you and I are not going to do. I I don't know what Theo's going to do. I don't know what Tom's going to do. But here's what we should not be doing, right? Is letting Joe Madden go, not giving him another contract, and blaming him for this season. As if that's the problem and that's the, that's the solution. And trading some of these players and acting like that's going to fix all the problems. Because that's bullshit, right? Yeah. We have been sold since the minute this process started that the goal was for us fans and the Cubs organization to commit to the plan and... And it would take us to where we want to be and where we want to be, as we have been told a thousand times, whether it's in press conferences, interviews, emails, season ticket holder lists, whatever it is, wherever you've gotten this, I know you've heard this as a Cubs fan, is that this team is supposed to be competitive and competing for World Series championships every single year. And that is, you know, call me crazy, Brendan, but that is not what fucking happened in 2019. So it's it's unacceptable on an organizational level. So the front office needs, needs to be held accountable. And they've already moved Jason McLeod off of the amateur side so that they can try to figure out how on earth to draft a pitcher that can pitch do at you, the major league level. And do you have confidence in that, Corey? Like, that's, that's, it depends what the change is. It it depends who's coming in to replace him. I don't know, but they needed to move on from him. So that's a start, right? But, you need to look at every single level. And I mean this really sincerely. Like, I don't want to hear any bullshit about Theo because we got this from him last year. And again, I love Theo Epstein. But when we hear the same stuff over and over again, and we're going to hear it whenever he does the end of the season presser We already next got a little week, bit of it today. Right? And, and we're yeah. going to hear it again. We, we, we need to be better as an organization, and that starts with me. That includes my front office, all that other stuff. And last year... You, you hope that you saw different things. They moved some people around. They hired some different people. And we, we got worse results. So I don't want to hear – I don't want to be fed that bullshit again about how they need to be <laughs> held accountable and we need to look in the mirror. Like, yeah, you do. And I want to yeah. see some of these clowns fired from this organization because this isn't good enough. You're behind. You're getting shown up. By So many of these other organizations, you have a bad reputation in a lot of these particular categories and developmental areas. And some of these people shouldn't have jobs anymore. It's, it's absurd to keep doing the same thing. And I think while they're succeeding, right? We all love Theo and we love the brain trust, but when they're not succeeding, we're going to pull back the curtain, Brendan, and we're going to say, hey, Theo, I don't want to see you and your fucking friends running this team into the ground. Either get results or find people who are going to do a better job than the same 10 people you've been cohorting around with for the last decade. Right. Yeah. Like the, yeah. if if Theo, Jed and Jason and Scott Harris and Jeff Greenberg and, and the core of that front office, if this is the result that they're going to turn out, then we need different people in there. And I and because I'm tired of hearing that they need to be held accountable when none of them ever get held accountable, Brendan, right. because Joe Madden is going to get held accountable. I think we all know that's what's going to happen. We can be in denial about it. You can disagree with it. You can agree with it. Whatever you want. But that's what's going to happen. Joe Maddon's not yeah. going to be back. All right? Spoiler. I mean,
0: right. it fucking sucks, too. But, like, I, I, uh, Brendan, I, like, I,
2: yeah. we can't throw it all on him and let him get dragged through the mud, let these players get dragged through the mud, whatever, and the front office just gets away with it and it's the same with ownership too they need to be looking we need to get the full story about what the deal with the payroll is and everything but i'm i'm already fed up with how much attention doesn't get put on the front office these are right. the guys making the decisions these are the guys drafting the players and it, it you can't lay it all at their feet either but it just feels like they're we <laughs> never see any accountability and you know in in what the court? front office with the guys who do this job, and I've talked about this a, a thousand times, but how many times do the Cubs lose to pitchers that the rest of the league beats the shit out of? How many times do the Cubs lose to rookies that it seems like they have no clue how to put a scouting report together? So get rid of people in the pro scouting department. Get a different pro scouting department. It's not good enough. It's clear it's not good enough, and it's time change you're gonna win 85 fucking games all right if you're lucky if you're you're lucky (laughs) i'm dead serious and it's not just firing people for the sake of firing people it's not trading people for the sake of trading people it's not change for the sake of change these results suck brendan and it's not what we were sold it's not what we were promised and it needs to be different that's it so
0: so, when we look at what the Cubs currently have, this is, it just keeps getting more fucking depressing. Fangraphs rates not one minor league pitcher within the Cubs system as having a future value greater than league average. So, even right now, this current iteration of this Cubs farm system, and we have Adbert Alzoli and we have other guys percolating through the system like Ryan Jensen and everything. I get it. But right now, no one in The minor league system is rated by fangers as being above league average as their ceiling? Corey, what? How, How is that even possible? And going back to your Joe Madden thing, I almost forgot to say this, but going back to that Joe Madden thing, you want to know why we're talking about Joe Madden right now, Corey, and not some of the other issues? Because Theo Epstein amplified a lot of those issues. If you have such a great problem with Joe, or have any sense of uncertainty, you got to be 100% certain in your process, right? Why do you bring him back with that umbrella? It's been a topic the entire year. You
2: hated that the minute it happened? I I,
0: I hated it. But if you're going to bring back Joe with the uncertainty that you're not going to extend him, then that media, us talking about this, is going to be a consistent Conversation and here we are again on September 26th. and the main topic that Theo is being asked about, that Joe is being asked about, is Madden's future. And that's and that's a shame. That really is a shame. And you have to be a hundred percent certain in this process that that team you're putting out there is going to compete for a World Series. And if you're not confident in 2020, going into 20 into 2019. What on earth are you doing? Either extend the guy or move on. You've waited way too damn long, Corey. And that's a lot of the issues, even with some of these current guys on the team. Maybe you waited too long on Albert Amora. Maybe you waited too long on Ian Happ. This has been his third season in professional baseball with the big league team, Corey. Third season. Amora's been with this team since 2016, man. This is no fucking development. And to have no one in the system as a pitcher be projected Greater than a league average guy is unacceptable to have this conversation. This cloud of Joe Madden's future possibly hurting this team was a loss. Chris Bryant, he was asked about this last week about the tone, the urgency, Joe Madden's future. And Bryant honestly said, like, yeah, it's hard not to think about that. It's hard not to think about the future and the uncertainty that lies within that when you're in the midst of the season. And so that that is on Theo Epstein as well. Like you got to create an enriched environment. You need that certainty that your process, you showing up every day has a high likelihood for success. If my boss, if my manager Joe Madden doesn't have that vote of confidence from from the front office, deep down maybe subconsciously, how do you have that confidence as well? And it's that's I hated it from the moment it happened. I hated the tone in October of 2018. I hated not signing Joe an extension or just letting go with them because now you wasted another year, Corey, another year that could have been one defined by development, one defined by changing infrastructure, not even with the MLB squad, but even within the farm system. It's just another wasted year. Here we are again, 2020, and we're going the other direction.
2: Yeah. I, I think, again, you I said this last episode or two episodes ago, you, you can't leave any stone unturned. You have to look at every single facet of this organization. And I think the Joe Madden decision is more about the future than it is just this year, right? The question should be Do you think that Joe can get the most out of this team and do a good job going forward for 2020 and beyond? But not you, but did the question he cost is, can them. He- 2019, right? Because if you're going to look only at 2019, then I'm going to say, well, if you were going to blame Joe either way just for how 2019 went, maybe you shouldn't have given him a big pile of shit for the bullpen, right? (laughs) like because you 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 set him up to fail in certain ways and that doesn't let him off the hook for bad decisions it doesn't doesn't yeah. let him off the the hook for things that Joe does poorly that's part of what you should be looking at in when you're looking to the future but so much of the the vitriol toward Joe right now is about the 2019 season. And like, no way did Joe's decisions prevent them from getting in the playoffs. What prevented them from getting in the playoffs is they were a flawed roster that had the potential to play poorly, right? Within their standard deviations, they could have been better, Mm -hmm. they could have been worse. And you you did that's what happened the the flaws that everybody saw in this team the bullpen the age of their starters and the lack of positional player depth gee what killed them this season their bullpen the age of their starters and the lack of position player depth every game one or the other pick your issue and that's what it was right and so it, it just it feels in a weird place that it's like this foregone conclusion that Joe is gone when like I I just don't think that that his impact on this season was that strong so it it just has to be something where you're looking at every single part of this organization and I'm telling you Brendan if people from this front office are not fired I'm gonna be fucking pissed about it yeah because this is a joke Brendan like you couldn't keep up with the brewers like Brendan this is from the other (laughs) night this is from two nights ago. This is the Milwaukee Brewers lineup. Trent Grisham, Yasmani Grandal, Mike Moustakis, Keston Hura, Ryan Braun, Eric Thames, Lorenzo Kane, Corey Spangenberg, and Jordan Lyles. This is the team that you couldn't keep pace with. This band of fucking losers without Christian Yelich is a team that is blowing past you now in these wildcard standings and division standings. It it's not acceptable. And if, if we're going to keep doing these half measures, right, of moving front office guys around, si- you know, putting band-aids on the bullpen and the rotation and this stuff, it's not going to be good enough. They need an organizational overhaul right now. And that doesn't mean they have to burn the whole thing down and do a rebuild or anything, but they need to get better and they actually need to put action to the words, not just say we're going to look in the mirror, we're going to hold ourselves right. accountable, because that's bullshit. It proved to be bullshit. And it, it I'm going to be pissed about it if that's where we end up when this offseason is over, that they fire Joe and hire Mark fucking Loretta and, and think that something is, is magically going to be different like that's not going to solve anything guys
1: Our homes today are like little cities full of different interneting boroughs like the entertainment district in the living room or the virtual fitness center in the garage and Xfinity internet keeps it all running smoothly with reliable speed to power all your devices at once. You get coverage around town from the financial district home office to the spa.
0: Xfinity internet keeps your little city humming with reliable speed and coverage. Now that's simple easy, awesome. Find great offers and value today from XFINITY. Go online or call 1-800-XFINITY to learn more. Restrictions apply.
1: I've been riding a motorcycle for 52 years. I started having back pain that turned into a knee pain. I couldn't even sit on the motorcycle. I was like, oh, man, am I going to have to give up riding bikes? Kaiser Permanente, they decided I needed a hip replacement, so I was going to do it through outpatient surgery. Panned <laughs> out great. Recovered overnight. I was home by eleven o'clock the next morning. I'm glad I made the choice for Kaiser Permanente. I'm enjoying life. Every medical case is unique. Kaiser Foundation Health Plan, the Middle Atlantic States, two one zero one East Jefferson Street, Rockville, Maryland two zero eight five two.
0: How do you expect Joe and the team to not change dramatically what they did in years past with that level of uncertainty and your contract, dude? Like how Joe managed this year was distinctly different from years past and how he managed some of the bullpen decisions as well. And that was set with that urgent tone, right? But to assume if you bring Joe Madden back for 2019 and have all these conversations about him being back, well, guess what fucking happened, Corey? That was a constant issue and a team could not play up to that level, okay? And the years defined by joe 2015 2016 and and even theo said this on 670 discord today like those were largely attributed to joe's free fun culture cultivation how's 2019 cory has it been fucking fun <laughs> no not whatsoever no. and there's no and it's no surprise why and, I, and I, again you know ripping Theo Epstein. He's done so much good for this team, but he's saying this himself about his own his own actions. But after 2018, and I even said this three weeks ago, and I want to take that back. I absolutely loathe how Theo goes to the media and blasts the team, dude. What on earth does that do? How is that productive? How is that fucking fixing your development system by saying and ripping The guys for not being urgent, for not showing up 162 times a year. Corey, that's not the issue, dude. They won 95 games last year. 95, and you're talking about guys like that in that fashion, not even two days after that season ended. And yeah, at the time, you know, rah, 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 I love it. Theo's talking to me, the fan. I fully see it. He's validating what I see with my own eyes. But those are not the main issues. And to blast a team, If my boss is doing that, if I'm getting blasted behind my back to Jesse Rogers, to some of these guys in the media, like, fuck you, dude. Like, I'm not like I I would absolutely hate that.
2: Yeah, again, that was something that you were, uh, you know, you expressed your opinion on that the minute it happened that you didn't like it. And it's it set a tone for sure. There there was a, a weird vibe around this team pretty much the entire year. And I mean, they started
0: it, one and six, and yeah, they're going to end manifests. losing nine in a row. It's it's just a sandwich. You started off urgent, you finished off urgent, and you just completely shit the bed because it was such a tight knit environment. It was way too overwhelming for me.
2: Yeah. So I I don't know. It's it's going to be a fascinating. Off season for this team because uh, again, like this is just not acceptable. It's it's an unacceptable place to be. You're getting passed by the Mets now in the standings, which is good for your overall draft status. But when you just take a look at at where this team is, and you step back and realize, okay, we've got a couple years now of these guys all together under contract before we have to really start. You know, thinking about extensions or where, two years. whether these and you, guys and you yeah. got to
0: start thinking about extensions now, right now. After twenty twenty one, you're you're done. You have very few guys locked up.
2: Right. So that that's the point is this was a, a wasted year and you, you have to find a way to figure this out and, and to be in the position that they're in right now. They they just lost, I think, their ninth straight game as we are track. <laughs> recording this. Uh, yeah, honestly, I have not been paying close attention, uh. but in, in the interest of full disclosure, uh, which, again, is, is good for their draft status. But this is just this is a complete train off the rails ending to this season, and it just shouldn't have been like this. And uh, again, like I think that you can have years like 2018 where a team gets hot, they just beat you, right? The Brewers pulled off a great trade for them, obviously, with Christian Jelic, and it worked out for them in glorious fashion, right? But this is two years. Now, two years where this is not your fucking division anymore, you're not even making the playoffs this year, these teams are getting over on you, and they are doing it for way less money. They are doing it in a way smaller market, and to be honest with you, and they've said this before, whether or not they feel it, I I can't tell you, but Tom, Theo, you guys should be fucking embarrassed by this. The then Brewers they are, are, uh, they are. W- w- wiping the, their fucking ass with you <laughs> for two straight years. The fact that we all have to go on Twitter and look at that goddamn mm. account at Brewers, the worst fucking account in baseball, constantly. They, they, they clinch a playoff spot and their first thought is fuck the Cubs, right? Because they're the biggest bunch of losers in the entire league. But guess what? Those big bunch of fucking losers are laughing at your expense two straight years now. While you're sitting at home, you're golfing, you're doing whatever you're doing in the offseason, the Milwaukee Brewers are getting in the playoffs on your dime, on your time, and they're doing it all at your expense. And in both seasons, they've gone through you to do it. They've beaten the shit out of you in the month of September to get there both times. And at some point, you just have to say, "Like this is not acceptable. We can't stand for this." And it's not always easy to come up with the answer for how to solve it or what to do about it. But Brendan, like, how did how did we get here? Like, how did we I, end I up in a point? Think about it. Where this this dumpster brewers team? Every year we make fun of them for not spending on pitching, for having the, just a mess of a rotation, and it just doesn't matter. They just sit around until the Cubs fuck around and they take the take their playoff spot. And again, one year you can write off. It happens, but this is a trend. Now, this is this is an annual thing that is happening to the Cubs and it it just can't be allowed to go on anymore. So th- this offseason really needs to see significant change. They need to change this roster, they need to change this front office, and they need to change a lot of the ways that things are done in this organization because they have a lot of work to do to get back up to the forefront of some of these particular areas. You know, we hear things like the pitch lab and it's great and it's worked and it's produced uh, a lot of good results since they've added it. But uh, I mean, three gee, guys.
0: It's produced three relievers or 60 innings. In I'm nice,
2: Brendan. But <laughs> I mean, I, what I'm, I'm saying, saying is, is even that is something where it's like, Hey guys, welcome to the fucking party of digging into these analytics and trying to change some of these pictures. Like, welcome to the show, you know, like... All these other teams, as the launch angle revolution has taken hold and the juiced ball in particular in 2019 has taken hold, they're finding ways to exploit these things. They're, they're picking up these guys, they're changing their swings, or they're having guys have career years because they, they've they tweaked a couple things and they've, they've found a way to tap into this stuff, and it seems like the Cubs don't do any of that. Meanwhile, the Cubs are dead last in contact rate. And it's not that easy to switch those things. I'm not saying that they should come into the year, figure out that the ball is juiced, and just change everything and just try to hit lazy fly balls. But if they're not going to figure it runs, out, Corey,
0: there's a lot of talent out there that has the skill set right.
2: capable of it implementing It doesn't seem that. like they are doing anything anything right and if to, you're not going to do it bring in someone those else market inefficiencies and right. and you and, and and of course look you wouldn't have built a rotation like this for the way that this ball is going that that is an unfortunate reality that it it, it just happens right you, you have a staff that other than darvish in particular doesn't get a lot of whiffs relies on weak contact that's how the cubs won the world series was converting soft contact into outs better than anybody ever And so obviously you wouldn't build a rotation around John Lester, Kyle Hendricks, Jose Quintana, et cetera, thinking that all these fly balls are going to go for home runs. That sucks, right? It it sucks. It's just unfortunate. It's a a shame that that happened. But at the same time, you have to be able to be malleable. You have to be able to step in and say, okay, something is going on. Can we figure out how to tap into it? Because other teams are doing it. Yeah, And meanwhile, you're just sitting at the bottom of some of these numbers, trotting out Albert fucking Almora, who, congratulations, he hit double-digit home runs this year. But that's not taking advantage of a situation. And other teams are doing it, and they're blowing past you for it. So... Uh, it's it, like i said the, the the whole point of this episode was just to scream into this microphone because yeah. this stuff is going to start this weekend they're they're probably going to make a manager decision within the next few days and you know then you're already going to hear about guys that are going to test free agency options that are or aren't picked up etc like this stuff you know the, the the playoffs are right around the corner here so this stuff is going to start kicking into gear in earnest pretty soon so I don't know, man. Like I, my confidence is in a weird place because you know we know that this team is going to have the resources. They have a lot of talent that's already in place. And I don't have I the think, confidence,
0: Corey. I don't have it. I just don't have it. It's been seven years of this. Like, what makes you believe something's going to be different? Like the the way that Theo
2: I'm built teams. a dumb teens, Cubs fan, I guess is my answer to that. Blind it's, faith.
0: It's blind. In, it's blind. It's blind fucking faith, dude. And I hate. I hate to say it. I know. Theo in the front office, like their innovations were international free agent signing manipulation, right? And drafting high likelihood of succeeding bats in the first round. And they did that and they executed that perfectly. But at the same time, in that process, it is unacceptable to not have one goddamn player outside of the first round to be a significant contributor. What makes you believe something's going to change after seven years of that? And even if it does, like at any point in Theo's tenure, even with the Red Sox, has he been able to implement something like a driveline philosophy in his system? No. There's a lot of young 30-year-olds like Theo Epstein back in the early 2000s that, guess what, they are around those people who are innovating at the technological level. They know how this stuff works. Why is Oakland? Why is Tampa Bay? Why are these teams so good? What seems to be at least, you right. know, 40% out of five, six, seven years? Why is that when they have an eighth of the Cubs payroll? They go and get these guys. They have to take, the, they have to take the risk on guys who are not proven at the executive level. And they do that, they succeed, they move on to the Dodgers, they move on to the Giants, they move on to all these other high market teams, and they keep the cycle going, okay? We have no other choice. Let's bring you in. You're 30 years old, you're 35 years old, you have experience in this field, let's see what happens. And you know what? They end up innovating. They end up innovating for the rest of the teams, and they end up copycatting, the big market teams end up copycatting those types of teams. So again, my confidence, guess what? I don't have it right now. I, I, I hate to say it. We'll see how this offseason goes. I do have some confidence in Theo's transparency and his appraisal in terms of knowing what's wrong. I totally have confidence in him identifying that. and I know that he's going to put his effort and the intention is going to be there to fix it, but is that going to work? I don't know man i i genuinely don't know if what theo is going to do is going to work and in two years maybe it just has it's time to move on and bring in someone who's been at the ground level of this new like driveline type philosophy i hate to define it as that but they they have been some of the most pioneering individuals in the league i mean the twins the orioles these guys are copying their philosophies and uh it's it's the last three years, man. I just it's a whirlwind. I cannot believe we're doing this episode, Corey.
2: Yeah, I mean, that's just what it is. This was, uh, like I said, I mean, an unmitigated disaster of a season for the Cubs uh, about as much went wrong as it could have and you don't get a shot in the playoffs which is what this is all really about and you know again you look at where some of these teams have come from both the the Brewers and the Cardinals have been in really bad spots throughout this season the the Brewers seemed dead and gone uh just a month ago especially when Yelich went out and they were several games out of the division and they managed to claw their way back in there. You look at a team like the Nationals that I think was like 12 games under 500 <laughs> at one point. And yeah. in seemingly like a really bad spot, I think right before the Cubs got there in that series in D.C. Uh, around when I think Trey Turner came back and whatever. They were in a really bad spot. They were talking about firing Davey Martinez. And they managed to figure out a way to pull it all together and get themselves in the playoffs. And the Cubs just couldn't do it. And it's not a good look. It's just not a good look when you have these other teams in, in in just really dire straits figure out a way to pull themselves up by their bootstraps, right, so to speak, and get themselves into the playoffs. And and the Cubs just couldn't write that ship. And it's it's going to be the, the tale of the twenty nineteen Cubs. And but that's
0: due to those offseason decisions
2: going into the season. That's that's what happened. It exhausted at the end. Yeah. So I don't. I don't know how much more screaming and yelling we we even necessarily have left. But I I have to do this one more time because I may never get to do this again. Hopefully, I never have to talk about this person again. Uh, I could do this for you. It, it, you could take your pick. I'd love to know where you all think I'm going when I say that. Uh, <laughs> who I don't ever want to talk about again because uh, there's several candidates. But I I, I just I just want to throw out there that the Cubs ended up giving. As I'm looking at this right now, 358 plate appearances to Albert Almora Jr., who, at the moment, as I read this, has a 66 WRC plus, a 274 weighted on base average, and has been worth negative, negative, half a win. I guess, below replacement. A yeah, win below replacement. Uh, <laughs> I made up a new number for him there. Uh, negative <laughs> 0.5 wins below B- replacement. WBR. WBR. Wins yeah. below replacement. Yeah. I, I there, There's just not much I can say. That That's one of those things where we dog the guy, we dog the guy, we dog the guy, and throughout the year, you and I, Brendan, talk even like, man, are, are we going too hard on him? Like, should we call— and you know what? Like, this is that moment where Brendan and I, and I think a lot of other people, we fucking told you so. All right? Albert Almora fucking sucks. And you gave him 350 plus plate appearances. He let off what? 30, 40 games for this team? It's a fucking joke. Brendan, you look at guys like Daniel Descalso, uh, some fucking beaten down old shitty man who you let play so many games, you let lead off for this team, and it's a fucking joke. And you're paying for it now. And there's so many things that this team did during this season that this is the result that they deserve because those decisions were so stupid. They were stupid the minute they happened. And they were, they're stupid now. You, you, you tender the contract to Addison Russell's loser ass. You let him come back multiple times. He looks just as awful at the plate as worse, he always Corey. has. Worse, worse than before. Than he always has. He's never been a, a league average hitter in this league. He comes back. He looks worse than usual. You let him keep playing. You let him... Take a learning experience in the middle of a season <laughs> I mean, at second base. I, I should have said "quote unquote" learning experience because he said he, that. And he it's has a, a lot fucking of joke, right? <sighs> you you let him. He he can't learn the signs. He has no clue what's going on. And of course, right? This is all someone who was suspended for domestic violence. If that wasn't enough for you, right? He comes back and is a fucking disaster on the baseball field, but you keep bringing him back, you keep letting him into the clubhouse, you keep letting him be involved in the team, and there's just too many of those decisions. And you, you you feel bad for the guys like Bryant and Rizzo and Baez and Castellanos and Schwarber, and these guys who were coming through, they were putting in the work, they were playing through injuries towards the end of the year, and meanwhile, they're being dragged down by just an absolute pile of shit of a bottom of a roster. And Brendan, it's like I said in the beginning, it's almost as though the position player depth was a problem from the off-season and they didn't Wild. address it. They put a band-aid over everything. They didn't fill in any of the cracks and they paid the fucking price for it. Man, that's that that's just how it is and it's so frustrating to look back at this and by no means, right? By no means am I saying, "Oh, if the Cubs had let off Rizzo in that game in July instead of Almora, they would have won the division. That's not the point. But the point is, you wasted so many fucking games by trying to get guys going and trying to get guys right against lefties or righties or whatever fucking shit Joe would talk about. Urgency. And I don't know if that's all Joe's decision or if Theo should have been stepping in. I don't know what that dynamic is, but it's it's all the same organization. So if Theo doesn't have the confidence to say, hey, Joe, I don't want you doing that, that's a whole separate fucking problem, right? Because it's his team. Yeah. So that would be really stupid. But it's just hard not to look at so many of those things. How many innings they gave to Brad Brock before they let Rowan Wick come up and start throwing 98 miles an hour, right? How many innings they gave to some of these other losers before they actually trusted Kyle Ryan. And again, I didn't trust him in the beginning, but I'm not running the team, right? And I'm certainly not signing some of these other clowns. How many innings down the stretch they let Derek Holland throw? They let him pitch. Remember, they, they let him pitch to Matt Wieters. I mean, it's it's so many of those little things that just add up. And as we sit here in what is like quite literally a post-mortem, right, where we're doing the autopsy, and it's it's frustrating. It gets you heated because you're just like, these are not, they they weren't forced into doing this brendan nobody forced them to put albert almora as their leadoff hitter nobody made them do that but they did it repeatedly and it was dumb the first time the second time the 20th time the 40th time whatever the number ended up being it was dumb 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 and you're paying the price for it and it just sucks.
0: 70 plate appearances at leadoff 70 unacceptable cory it's totally Des- unacceptable Descalso, dude his war was fucking negative point 0.7 <laughs> okay you talk about negative point 0.5 being bad negative point
2: 0.7 and half of a morris plate appearances and i mean dude. even in september both of these guys are on the fucking team brendan like i know the roster is expanded but what are you even rostering these guys for at a certain point you're yeah. below replacement level players what team is this what budget do they have that this is that this is where this this gets to it it's it's confounding to a degree some of the things that went on with this team some more egregious than others but it's it's very difficult not to look back at how this season played out and be very frustrated about certain things that were allowed to go on and you know we talk about it all the time but it took until what september and it wasn't even the beginning of September before we started getting that Rizzo, Castellanos, Bryant, Schwarber, Baez, whatever the lineup was when Javi was in there. Right? It took until like early September before we started seeing. Okay, this is the lineup every night. We're going to commit to this, and it it's too fucking late, guys. Like where you, you talked about urgency all off season and we really didn't see it until the end of the season and even then we didn't see it. We're, we're seeing David Phelps and Derek Holland and Strope as much as we love him in high leverage innings and it, it just felt like that mantra was a joke from the minute it happened. They, they, they started the season with that every game matters mentality and I didn't feel that way until what? That Cardinals series in, 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 at Wrigley Field like a week ago? Did you, by the way, just to change up, I'm just seeing this
0: tweet now. It's a little bit old. I'm still seeing it. You see what Cole Hamill said today? He said, quote, trying to correct things while I built up the arm strength was a recipe for disaster. Oh, are we doing
2: the medical staff now?
0: Uh, I mean, just a little bit. Yeah, just a sure, little bit. Sure. I'm not going to, you know, I'm not a doctor, so I'm like way outside my territory here. Well, I'm way outside of my territory for everything here, but regardless- What the fuck, Corey? Are you serious with that? Javi Baez playing through a bum heel for like half the season. Brian's still dealing with a knee injury that he hurt three fucking months ago. And you're putting these guys out there on the field every day. Even Brian said there there came a point where he could not help the team. But he was playing every other three days, right? Like, you never put these guys on the injured list. It's 10 fucking days, Corey. 10 days. They never went on. You're bringing Cole Hamels back too early. It happened three years ago. What did he do? He tanked. His second half performance this year, unfortunately, was similar to that when he came back from his last oblique injury. That was the season. Hamels went down. That was it. Never saw the same guy ever again. We can go on and on about the medical staff. We have Ben Zobris in 2016 or 2017. That was 2017 with the wrist. We have Russell even during those early stages with his with his shoulder, with his knee. It goes on and on. Pedro Stroop this year. We have so many examples of these guys playing through injuries they should not be playing through. And I love what Rizzo did, right? Coming back, playing through a bum ankle. Totally get it, right? Did you see that ankle?
2: Yeah, it was gross.
0: I, if that had dude, if that happened to me, you would have to put me out for a week. If I saw my ankle like well, that, well, and that's why Anthony's the captain. He's the captain. I get it, but like, <laughs> like what? Like what the hell? And that's that's fine. You can tape it up. We, you know, people say that's fine. Here's a, another weird thing: Javi Baez broke his thumb. Corey. Three weeks later, he's swinging a baseball bat. There's there are medical professionals that said that was beyond beyond. Any type of logic. Yeah. Okay. If you swing about a break with a broken hairline fracture thumb, the consequence is you fucking break your full thumb. And they put him in a situation. And you were at the game. You loved it. I know you're probably on your feet, standing ovation. I get this. We're all pumped up. Javi has a heart. He, he's, of course, going to do that. Right. But you're putting in a guy with a broken thumb, risking his likelihood in the ninth inning. Who has not seen a live major league pitcher in almost a month right in that situation with their season on the fucking line
1: geico knows there are many reasons why you ride from the thrill of the revving engine and pure adrenaline of flying down the highway to the confidence of knowing that Geico always has your back with 24-7 access to claim service. But Ari Snyder has one reason in particular.
2: I have extremely large upper arms. They won't even fit into most shirts. Thankfully, biking really embraces vest culture, so I feel accepted.
1: Geico Motorcycle. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more.
2: It's, it's, it's too frequent. Again, like you said, like neither of us are doctors, but. It, there, there's too many things where I'm like losing
0: track of all these guys yeah, like there, there, there's too many
2: instances Steve's where I mean even Rizzo's back earlier this year what did he miss eight days but they don't yeah, no, put him on the injured list and and I get that you don't want to twice. lose guys etc but there are way too many times for this Daniel to just be also
0: do. that's another one he played through an right. ankle for like what two months He's and was literally the worst baseball. player
2: in baseball right I mean, so uh, yeah th- again like this is something where obviously there's info there that we don't know but it happens way too often for this there not to be something there it seems like the Cubs medical staff is borderline incompetent uh like
0: Kimbrel Corey correct yeah
2: I mean I, I I tweeted today that they remind me if you've watched The Simpsons they remind me of Dr Nick yeah, Riviera that. That who good. just Like, he's not a doctor. He didn't go to medical school. Like, and that's just what it feels like sometimes. Like, oh, well, you know, we we think he's got this and we're going to sit him out for two weeks and then three (laughs) weeks later, oh, we did an x-ray and he has a broken hand. Dude, why Addison didn't you do Russell, the x ray in the first place? Like, dude, you Russell know.
0: had a concussion and he still played during the game. They didn't even put him yeah, on the face. Yeah, Russell gets
2: hit in the face. They don't take him out. And again, like, this is one of those things that, that was really concerning, actually, because that was one where we've all seen Addison Russell enough over the years to know, like, what he generally looks like. And he looked fucked up when he got hit in the head. And, like, you're looking at it going, like, I mean, yeah, like, I've seen this guy enough. He's definitely dazed. Like, he's definitely fucked up. This is not what he normally looks like. You guys know that, right? And he's out there stealing bases. And and you're just looking at this going, like, the, this is the, the group that's in charge of the care of all of these guys? Because this is a, a pretty disconcerting decision. Uh, You know, like, the, the, the person involved decide, I guess, right? But, like, like you're just whatever. like, I don't like this I mean like the guys concussed you should get them off the field uh yeah the, the I mean the medical they they don't seem like they know what they're doing they don't seem like they do a good job that's another area where again like I I can't give you the technical answers but way too often do we uh they they don't figure things out till it's too late they don't take advantage of a very short injured list it, it just doesn't seem like a good process is is going on with that medical staff. Uh, all right, what we at here? Just hour and a half. <laughs> Add it to the heap, yeah.
0: Unbelievable. I mean, I'm, I'm out, Corey. I'm like losing my voice over here. I think I've said enough. Next next episode, let's change it up, talk about the future, maybe some more
2: positives. But yeah, we got, got it got out. I
0: feel a little bit better. It's a good therapy session yeah, for me. I feel a it's, little worse. You feel worse? Well, yeah. I'm sorry. yeah. I'm sorry.
2: You were a little uh, pessimistic, I got to be honest with you. I, I don't do blame it. you, but I, I, had to I just, you know, I, I think you really... I, probably brought down the the confidence level of everybody I did. but I'm sorry um yeah I mean I I think that's all we have I mean look like there's a lot of this stuff that I, I we, we don't really have answers for like I, I wish that I had the answer for why this team didn't perform better in certain ways. Uh, you know, the, this team was terrible on the road the entire season. They were bad in one-run games. They were bad on the bases. They were bad in the field. And some of that I, I, I really just don't understand. Some of it we can go back to, of course, the issues that we knew. The, the bullpen was weak. The depth was weak, et cetera. We knew all that. But I think from the minute this season started, you and I both, Brendan, genuinely believed that they had enough talent to overcome those things. It, it shouldn't have cost them as much as it did. They shouldn't be finishing the season on, at this point, what might be a 12-game losing streak, which would be fascinating if that's how it ultimately happens. But get that draft pick, baby, right? Um, Let's lose out. Let's how, how some of this all happened to this degree, I you know truly don't understand. I, I think it's 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 really a 99th percentile worst outcome for this team that, that all of these issues just manifested. Joe's uh you know worse characteristics as a manager exacerbate some of the problems. The players don't play up to their potential. Theo gave Joe a, a lot of dog shit players and it all just sort of created this mess. Uh but some of it, I, you know, they're they're going to have to dig deep and and figure out where these issues stem from, uh, whether they're personnel issues, organizational issues, philosophy issues, etc. And some of those aren't going to be easy answers. And also, some of them, when you do find the answers, the solutions aren't going to be easy, like how you get there. So it's going to be a tumultuous off season, and and like we said, it's it's going to start soon. So. A programming note, we are going to record on Monday night and come to you on Tuesday. The reason for that being is we've been told pretty literally by Joe Madden that he expects a decision by Monday. So, obviously, not a particularly useful podcast if we record on Sunday and then Joe is either rehired or not. Not rehired. Uh, he's gone. I, I, like, why I, would you? Why would sure, you Sure, but I, I do that, want like. that language to be clear. Joe Madden <laughs> he's, cannot he's gone. and will not be fired. That is not something that can happen here. Okay, his contract is over, so he's he gone. is either being re-signed or he is just being said goodbye to. Right, but I, I do want that to be clear. The, you know, it's uh, it's 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 an important distinction. The Cubs are not going to fire Joe Madden. Okay. Um, but that decision is coming. I expect him to be gone. I know Brendan expects him to be gone. We will discuss whether that's the right decision, wrong decision, if and when it happens. But, uh, I'll throw it to you in a second here, Brendan, for, for a yeah. more official sign off. But yeah. for, since this is our the, the the last particular moment, uh, that I may be able to do this, I, I, I do have. A couple of things that I'd like to say uh, with an expletive uh, before we go back to the family-friendly version on Sunday. And the first of which uh, is I just want to say I fucking love John Lester. (laughs) All right? You knew I was going (laughs) to get that in there somewhere. 90
0: minutes into it. I
2: fucking love John fucking Lester. Okay? That's a pretty blanket statement. Um. That, that's it. That That's literally the one thing I, I wanted to say on that. I don't have anything to expand on. I will finish by saying, uh, again, like as we head towards the playoffs here, interesting to see where everybody's allegiances lie. Obviously, I know some people hate certain teams, some people don't hate certain teams, uh, but I think we can all agree on the sentiment of fuck the Milwaukee Brewers, fuck Craig fuck Council, Dodgers. fuck Ryan Braun, and yep. I think above all, fuck the St. Louis Cardinals. No, yeah, that's, and and the Dodgers. You got fuck the car,
0: uh, fuck the Cardinals, fuck the Dodgers. I don't think that
2: that fuck. tops the Cardinals. I think at the at the top of the it's list, it's up there though for the
0: me, Cardinals. man. You know what? You know what it is? It's the experiences you and I have gone through. But for the that's past more three of years. A,
2: that's more of a, a personal thing. I think in a well, this is a personal sense. sentiment, Corey. Well, this is sure. a personal sentiment. Fine, but I'm Thank ending you. with fuck the Cardinals. So, okay. that's what I have, and and again, like. It, it all goes back to a, a simple thing, and I think that it's it's very easy to—we we, don't—obviously, we've never done this. We have never just, like, spewed vitriol for 90 minutes before like this. Uh, but it all stems from a love of the Chicago Cubs, and I think you—we got— A number of messages on the the previous podcast about how so many of you could feel the emotion and the pain that that we were feeling and that I know a lot of you are feeling with this team. And that's what this stems from, is I I think if you're listening to this podcast, especially if you are at the, what, 100-minute mark of this mess of a (laughs) podcast— then you obviously love the Chicago Cubs. And all we all want when the season starts and we show up for 162 games, whether you're paying to go for the games, paying for MLB TV, watching them on cable, whatever it is, you're investing your time, you're investing your money, and you're investing your your emotions in, in this team. And all that we want is for them to be good and and to see all of these guys who so many of them we love be successful and and have a fun, worthwhile season. And this just didn't feel like that. And so that's really where this stems from, is it's a deep-seated love and and passion for this team to obviously an unhealthy degree. I think you could submit this podcast to prove that both Brendan and I are unhinged Psycho. and yeah. completely psychotic. But no doubt. it all just stems from a love of the Chicago Cubs. And I, I really wish that this season had gone better. I hate that we are not even done with the regular season. And that's all we're going to get. We already know that. They're not going to be in the playoffs. And this is just not going to be a successful season for them. So uh, that is where the vitriol stems from, and uh, we will be back on Sunday or Sunday, <laughs> Tuesday. We'll record Tuesday. on Monday night. You'll hear it on Tuesday morning, and we'll deal with the aftermath of the season and a potential manager change and and all of that stuff. Uh, but it, it's it's a disappointing end, and you know, obviously, we thank you guys for joining us on this ride and uh it's it's sad that brendan and i won't be able to preview uh even if it was a wild card game but but no playoff previews no you know cold october nights where we're all freaking out the entire day just waiting for that first pitch because it's all that we're living for and then you know we just don't have it so uh it's 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 sad to be at this point but we're we're glad to have you guys to commiserate with and uh yeah yeah uh, whatever you got, Brendan, get your get your last uh, curse words out before we have to bleep, bleep them in the future. Fuck the Dodgers. Any
0: anyone but the Dodgers. This is a personal sentiment. I've gone through hell at Dodger Stadium. If they, my my ideal scenario is they go back to the World Series and just lose again for the third straight of time, how
2: sweet would that be? So that's it. I want to put it on record. Fuck the Dodgers, and that's it. Yeah. So I, I think that's what we got. Uh I have no idea if this was a good listen, a bad listen, a total mess. I don't know. I always warned you guys that I didn't want to do explicit in the first place because it's hard for me to help myself from just saying, fuck this, fuck that, you know, like over and over again, almost to, uh, you know, a gratuitous degree. But that's not my intention. So we hope this was entertaining, hope it was cathartic for you, hope that you're screaming similar sentiments uh I, I don't know if there's anything that we missed I doubt it uh but certainly possible but either way there there's there's change coming to Wrigley Field and deservedly so so we'll be here to break it all down we'll be here talking to you just like we always do we'll keep that regular schedule and uh Otherwise, we'll keep you aware of of any changes to that. But again, we'll come to you again on Tuesday morning. We need to make sure that we know the result of Joe Madden's future, and we will break it all down. But as always, we thank you guys for listening. Uh, Your support and and participation throughout the season has been uh, really humbling and amazing for Brendan and I. It's been another fun season of doing the podcast, even if it wasn't necessarily another fun season of baseball. So we thank you guys very much for that. And whether we are previewing a playoff series or we are wrapping up an excruciatingly disappointing and obnoxious season of baseball, we will always end with Go Cubs. Did you know GEICO's now offering an extra 15%
1: credit on car and motorcycle policies? That's 15% on top of what GEICO could already save you. So what are you waiting for? Your dentist to actually believe you?
2: And you're flossing every day. Absolutely. Great. Um, and you're cutting down on your sweets? Of course.
0: <laughs> Wonderful. And I don't even need to look in there. Great. See you in six months.
1: There's never been a better time to switch to GEICO. Save an extra 15% when you switch by October 7th. Limitations apply. Visit GEICO.com for details. GEICO gets you access to licensed agents 24-7, which means that GEICO is always there for you. If only everyone was always there for you. Like your mom, when you fill out really, really important paperwork on the first day of a new job. Name, check,
2: birthday, social security. Is that a thing? Hey, mom, what is my social security number? mom 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 okay let's guess uh zero, zero, one, seven. Oh, gemini hashtag
1: done geico always there for you with savings and 24 7 access to licensed agents
0: keep your whole home running like clockwork from the
1: office to the game room with xfinity internet you'll get the best in-home wi-fi experience with reliable speed and
0: coverage now that's simple easy awesome go online or call 1-800 xfinity today to learn more restrictions apply
1: It's your home speaking, and I need you to do me a couple of favors. First, could you get that blueberry that rolled under the fridge last week? It's throwing my feng shui off. Second thing, bundle your home and car insurance with GEICO. It's easy, and we could save money. Lastly, I know you were thinking of painting the nursery back to off-white, but I'm actually feeling this baby blue. Didn't think it was my color, but I am pulling it off. GEICO. For bundling made easy, go to geico.com today.